You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Denny O'Neill, and you're listening to the Epic Marvel Podcast. Welcome, everybody. I am William Hoffneck, and we're here today to talk about Batman Punisher, Lake of Fire. And I'm Jim Mason, your old pal Jimmers, and Will made me read this comic book. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, hey, hey now. Hey now. Hey now. We got to save that. We got to save reactions for the end. Don't, 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 don't give away the spoilers. Oh, excuse me. (laughs) I had the inordinate pleasure of reading this comic book. (laughs) I'm smiling. Welcome back for, uh, this is another episode of the Epic Marvel crossover specials here for, um, Curtis and the and the Epic Marvel podcast feed podcast podcast podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, and as I mentioned a little bit ago, um, yeah. So today we're going to talk about Batman Punisher: Lake of Fire. This is a, a book from 1994. Um, the reason I kind of chose this one from the list was uh, the previous episode we talked of the X Men and the Avengers. Um, X Men Teen excuse Titans. Me, excuse me, X Men Teen Titans. Yep. Um, and that was one of the last crossovers that Marvel and DC did for a long time. Batman Punisher Like a Fire, this was the first one that they, when they started doing them again. That's right. So this was, so I thought, well, let's see what they do, how they come back from the break. And, Ooh. oh, yeah. Boy, they were rusty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, <laughs> I think we'll get into that a little bit. Um <laughs> <laughs> sorry yeah sorry i'll be better i promise yep yep no no we'll get to it we'll get to it <laughs> okay you know. all right um, just take our time and I, you know what i'm, I'm just going to jump in real quick and say this i you're going to read off the credits on on who's responsible for this masterpiece and you <laughs> might be surprised at some of the names on that's this. right um because this book this book was uh, was written by um the the great the legendary the hall of famer uh Denny O'Neill who should be on the Mount Rushmore of comic book writers. Right. I mean this guy has been around for literally ever. I think he was hired what in like by Julius Schwartz in 69, 68, um, 69. He actually worked I thought I was reading that he Or did he work for Charleston? I think he he did work for Charleston but before that let me let me pull it up here. Okay, it was. Um, I think I saw that he was actually hired by Marvel first. Oh, okay. Um, and did a few books over there before going over to DC. Gotcha. It says here, yeah. So he was he was hired uh, by Marvel when Roy Thomas left. Yep. Yeah, um, that's and right. And then it looks like he did a, a few things there, some some uh, Doctor Strange stories, Strange Tales, but also like Rawhide Kid, Millie the Model kind of stuff. Um, although, you know, he did get the claim to fame here, according to his credits, that uh, he is the one who wrote the revival of Professor X with Neil Adams. That is, and those were great comics. Right. But it looks like, I mean, that's probably what kind of started that relationship with Neil Adams. Yeah, Because right? yeah, then absolutely. he did go over to DC Comics and worked with Neil for a l- good long while, right? <sighs> yeah, I mean, his his run, I mean, 
1972, the, the introduction of Ra's al Ghul, Talia al Ghul, um, in the pages of Detective Comics. I mean, really, Batman was the 60s Adam West Batman, mm-hmm. very campy. Um, and it was under Neil Adams and, and his pal, Danny O'Neill, where they were given the shot to take a, a more mature look at, at, at the Cape Crusader. And uh, I believe it was Warren Ellis that described that that run of Batman as hairy-chested super spy Batman. <laughs> and it really was. I mean, he became an international troubleshooter in a way. He spent um, as much time abroad as he did with Gotham City, right. foiling the machinations of Ra's al Ghul, Ra's al Ghul, however you want to pronounce it. And then, you know, the the culmination of the Manhunter backups uh-huh, uh-huh. that Walt Simonson was doing came up uh, and that story was finished by those people, by Denny O'Neill back. And that's just a masterpiece of comics. Right. Then Green Lantern, Green Arrow. Right. Which, which was, again, the, the Neil Adams era of, of Green Lantern, right? You know, the era where they started to chip away at the Comics Code yep. Authority. Yep. And, and yep, the famous heroin cover, That's right. right. My, my ward is a junkie. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And I just have to get this in really quick because um, I think I, I have a, a deep-seated appreciation for DC as much as I do Marvel. Denny O'Neill's seminal work, I believe, after his initial run on Batman, was on The Question with Dennis Cohen and hmm. uh, Rick Magyar. Uh, they, the book lasted for, I think, three or four years late 80s to 1990 over at DC Comics where they took Steve Ditko's original right, the objectivist and Randian yep. kind of um, uh, street vigilante and and kind of made him more of a Zen philosopher, uh, uh, you know, uh, martial artist type uh-huh. and really dug deep into the ideas of, you know, what makes... Uh, a character because you know the question wears a blank face yep and you know you know what did it what does it say about a character who wears a blank face right and uh that's all i can say because i can go on for years about the question sure. um and, well, and great of course co- you know go- i mean the question that you bring up ditko's question and uh which relates also to ditko's mr a exactly and how they were kind of the the model for what became Rorschach, exactly. Right, in the Watchmen comics, exactly right? uh, that. And what's funny is, I think it was in the question number is either sixteen or seventeen. Um, Vic is is traveling across America on a Greyhound bus and falls asleep reading the trade paperback of Watchmen mm-hmm. and has a dream of a new Rorschach story which is really him superimposing yep. his own life on the Rorschach character. <laughs> so there's kind of like a subtextual yep. Watchmen crossover with the question. <laughs> um, um, I'm, I, okay, so that's my first famous digression for the day there. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> I love Denny O'Neill. No, Denny O'Neill's great. I mean, he went on also, it's, you know, as long as we're talking about things that Denny O'Neill was involved in, uh, Superman versus Muhammad Ali. Right? I mean... It's one of the great titles. You might right? think now the news, or I should say the youngs, might think us olds <laughs> are crazy <laughs> for loving Superman, Muhammad Ali. No, no, no way, no how. No, this well, is one of the. It is one of the great Bronze Age comics. It, like, it is truly out. one of the great. I mean, it was originally in that that. Um, it was a big the Treasury super, edition. The Treasury yeah. edition, and I think Neil Adams didn't. Did, yeah, yeah, he Neil did Adams the art, did. Yep, and I'll tell you what. Uh, just go out there and find that comic book somewhere, pay the money for it, right? and you will see how a human boxer in real life <laughs> could 
put the man of steel with his back up against the ropes in the squared yep. circle. Well, and that's it, part it of, great. you know, I, I mean, it feeds into, you know, even this podcast. Like, I love the kind of ridiculous crossover. Oh, yeah. And it is one of the kings. Of, I mean, while it's not a Marvel and DC crossover, it's, you know, a real-life person versus Superman. I, I would consider that well within our yep, purview yep, as, a, yep. as a, maybe a future episode. <laughs> <laughs> crossover with real life. Yep, I mean, you know, it's not quite my favorite ridiculous crossover i mean it's not, not as good it's not, as the outsiders meet john walsh of america's, mo- america's <laughs> most wanted <laughs> it's not as good as godzilla versus barkley okay, okay that is okay that's one of the greatest books no you know what written. yeah forget what i just said <laughs> that godzilla v barkley <laughs> yep <laughs> Uh, nothing's better than Godzilla dunking on Barkley. I'm sorry, like it's uh, one of the be- it's, it's one of those things that can <laughs> it's one of those things that can only exist that in comic crossovers. Best. Oh my god, I forgot about that. All right, I love uh, how I have all these memories that will unlock yeah. when, only when the microphones turn on. Um, oh my god! All right, so so we do have, we Dennis have Den- O'Neill yeah. on writing. We have Denny O'Neill now. At this time in the yeah. '90s, Denny O'Neill was kind of the um, the brainchild. Of of or the 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 the, the, the head the guy mastermind in charge, right the mastermind in charge of the Batman titles for DC yeah right yeah so that's probably why he was involved in this crossover um, that and the paycheck yeah well yeah um, so it, it must have been some kind of major bonus. You know, let's let's talk just a little bit about that. Um, a little uh, bit about time and place and why this exists. Okay, um, fair. So, again, as as I already mentioned, Marvel and DC hadn't done a crossover in a long time. That's they right. weren't playing very nice at this point in time. No, they they were really hurling nasty barbs at each yep. other. It was it was so. So why did this come around? Yeah, and uh, so a number of things happened in the early nineties um, that caused. Marvel and DC, DC to have to start thinking differently. Right. Uh, most notably, Image Comics. Yeah. So, um, Image Comics, of course, is you know is the cause of Superman's death and the cause of Batman getting his back broken and the cause of these crossovers that were just kind of crazy and out yep. there. I mean, Image made such a big splash and they took so many of you know the popular artists and there was. Well, you know, you know was, let's talk about just real quick. Some of these artists that we're talking about are still staples today. We're talking right. about current DC co-publisher Jim Lee. Yes. Doing, he went from X-Men to doing uh, uh, Wildcats. We're talking about Mark Silvestri, who went yep. on another from another epic run on um, um, X-Men to doing Cyberforce. We had Rob Liefeld, mm-hmm. who went from X-Force. Right. And doing super triple, super six figure um, yep. sales on uh, turning new mutants into X Force to basically uh, rinse, wash, repeat the stories for a little book called Young Blood, right. which sold a million copies. Mm-hmm. Uh, upon its release, I mean, and you can go and look up Young Blood signing Golden Apple, nineteen ninety two, and there were there was a mile long line well, to have thing, him sign the. I mean, books. even and the other thing to remember about Young Blood at the time is that Young Blood um, 
Well, everyone remembers Spawn, right? Youngblood was actually the first Image comic. That's it right. Was the first Good one point. that got released. So, really, that was the launch of Image Comics. And the original ad advertising for Youngblood actually had it being published under Malibu because they didn't know because they did at that point right. in time that they were actually just going to form a new company altogether. Exactly. No, that's a really good point. And then it's like each successive release, and I forget the order, but it was like Youngblood, bam, you know, and you had news nightly news covering it, and then you had Cyberforce, bam, then you had Spawn, bam, then you had Jim Lee with Wildcats, mm-hmm. Super Kablam, mm-hmm. you know, they were all doing million unit yep. sales, but you know, there's 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 only so much. There was only so many dollars going into the comic book market at that time that those sales took away from some had to take away from something yep. else. Yep. And what they took away from were the big two. Right. Overnight, Image replaced Dark Horse Comics as the number three independent yep. or the number three comic book pu- company. Period. Right. In sales. And I want to say that they were, you know, slugging it out for number two or coming close to it on, on some yep. months in that first No, I mean, DC, DC were really, I mean, DC they were alone reeling. were struggling at this point. Yeah. Let alone, not even count. Because, I mean, most of the, what, the, the creators who went to Image, of the most of them came from Marvel. Yep. Right? Yep. So Marvel took the, took a huge hit. But and DC were already struggling before that. That's a, that, that's a fair point. Now there's a lot of people who were working at DC also, you know, um, notably Todd McFarlane, which which helped close out uh, Batman Year Two and some Detective Comics issues, uh, and then he went on to even greater success at Marvel. That right. you know it went by a factor of a million over at uh, over at Image Comics. Right. So you know. It, these, I mean, DC was up against the ropes. Yep. And, you know, they, they came up with some great thinking. I mean, you had Jeanette Kahn as publisher. You had Paul Levitz as, uh, as uh, uh, the executive vice president. Um, uh, Jeanette Kahn was actually the president. Paul Levitz was publisher. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you had Archie Goodwin as you had, your head editor. Yeah, right, you there. had Archie Goodwin up top over there, although he was starting to pull back at that time. A lot of people were were... You know, they had a lot of masterminds, and I'm trying to remember who the Superman group editor was. Um, he's with DC Warner's Animation right now. Um, I'm totally blanking on his name. and it, I can't it, think of it. Yeah, I would lose the trivia contest right now. <laughs> but anyway, that's where they came up with event marketing. I mean, it was mm-hmm. the death of Superman a couple of years later, which kind of brought DC sort of back to life right. at that point. Well, I mean, you know, at the it, it was part of the speculator boom, right? Yeah, exactly. The, the bubble, right? Yep. And, and I mean, the death of Superman, everyone went out and bought 100 copies and thought they were going to be a millionaires in 10 years. Yeah, I actually remember wearing my black armband to yep. Delta College that time. Yeah, that's how old I <laughs> I am. Um, yeah, so it was it was an interesting time in comics, and Marvel was up against the ropes too because all of their guys left, right? You know, so I mean, yeah, I mean, even even the guys that they got to replace the first set of guys, right? Like, like I, I remember know. Art T. Bear being one of the who was mm-hmm. an awesome inker. Uh, they had him draw a full issue of X Men. I was like, "Oh my God, he's a wonderful anchor." Uh, it was a, it was a terror, you know, to go from Jim Lee to Art T. Bear right. fully on art. Eventually, they got the Kubert brothers on that book, which started to pump some life back into the sales, but not by much. Mm-hmm. You know, they were still struggling. It was, no, it right. was a dark time. I to, mean, to I be mean, a fan of the big in two. that in that early '90s era of. Like, yeah, the Cooper brothers are one of the, the high points that kind of came out of that, right? Absolutely. They, 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 ran, they worked gr- on that X-Men title for quite a while. Oh, too, they sure they? did. Yeah. Yep. 
Um, and they were, I mean, they were good. I mean, they were, they were still good, good art. And oh, then, they're great to this day. And I then think. you had, I think that they also worked on like the, the Ghost Rider Spirits of Vengeance stuff mm-hmm. uh, coming out around that time. But yeah, a little so, bit later they did the Adam Strange miniseries uh-huh, over at right, DC, right. the Prestige format. And then one. you also, though, the other thing uh, right in that early '90s era that you had um, that Marvel had going for it was um, you did still have Starlin and Infinity War going yeah. on, right? And that was that was kind of it, it's a weird era because when all those when you know the Spider-Man people, you know Todd McFarlane, you had Jim Lee and you had uh, Jay Lee, and you had a bunch of people who left. Yep, you kind of where the great artists went were the l- almost less popular books, right? In, in a way, yeah. Yeah. And so th- that kind of that kind of bumped those up and kind of readjusted the power structure just even internally at Marvel. And it and it also kind of I, I think expanded the uh, life expectancy of of creators like John Byrne, George Perez. Right. Some of those older I mean, granted they were still young men at this time, but they were a, mm-hmm. in a, the generation previous to the Image Founders. Right. Um they put them on extremely high profile books. Yep. At that time, yep. even you know, John Byrne defected to Dark Horse yep. to do uh Next, Next Men, men yeah. with the um was it Gorilla Comics imprint that Mignola worked on with Hellboy and yeah, uh, I don't rem- um, uh, it was something. I don't uh, well, anyway, and then, the, and then then he went on to form that Legends imprint. That's remember, what I with think. With, uh, with Frank Miller yep, and all them, yeah, which wasn't technically part of Dark Horse, but they only ever published under Dark Horse. Exactly, right? it was their way of having you know combined bargaining power. Yep. But John Byrne came back to do West Coast Avengers. Yep, you know. <laughs> So, you know, and George Perez, God bless him, he was a company man through and through. So Marvel was able to retain uh, sales that way, but just by a fingernail. Right. Yeah. So Dark um, times. Yeah. So anyway, that's a long way of saying that essentially this is kind of why we have these crossovers get restarted. Right. Uh, 94, there was a number of crossovers that kind of jumped out all of a sudden. Um yeah. And uh, it kind of led in for the next few years, and, and then into you know what we know as the amalgam era of crossovers, oh. which, is, which is a very high concept, but not great execution era. But you we- know what that that has some <laughs> diehard fans. I'll it does, tell you, it does. I mean, again, anything kind of high concept, you're going right. to get hardcore. Exactly. You're going to get cult fans, right? Uh, I admit to buying Doctor Strange fate. I, I, I admit, <laughs> I, I bought, I bought, um, I bought Magneto and the Magnetic Men. I mean, oh my god, yeah. that's great. Yeah. I forgot about that. No, that one's great, and uh, and also Bruce Wayne, Agent of Shield. That okay? was that, that was, was a good one. Yeah. Uh, I just, I just loved. But the what idea. about Dark Claw? Yeah, well, we'll get oh. to Dark Claw. Don't worry. <laughs> One day we'll we, hit. We're going to get to Dark Claw. Well, I think uh, once we hit the Amalgam Age, uh, oh, I think man. Dark Claw is going to be the good starting point. Oh, good. <laughs> he says good, everybody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know about well, good being the right point to start, not right. necessarily. In quality. You know, and I, I think one other thing goes to, you know, obviously we've kind of already kind of tipped our hat or I tipped our hat uh, as to what our feelings are about this right. book. Um, you know, they, they had a young artist on this book mm-hmm. who didn't have many credits beforehand. He worked at 2000 AD. Yep. Uh, his name is Barry Kitson, who you might have heard a thing or two about. Mm-hmm. He is a tremendous illustrator. And James Pascoe is a, is a workman, anchor, uh, who, who'd been working in the industry for some time. Right. But I, I want to say, and I might be giving part of my review away, Will, so please forgive me, <laughs> but this is not the Barry Kitson you know today. No. Okay. No. This was Barry Kitson 
Um, and there was, I think, an edict out there to say, we need this book to be as scratchy as possible. We want thick, dark lines and, yep. and long fingernail pieces of armor. And right, right. Uh, you'll understand what that reference means in a minute, kids. It, it was, there, there was, editor- I feel like a lot of editorial control over how the art was presented and laid out in yep. this book. No, I, uh, well, and I, I don't know if I can say for sure editorial, but there was definitely, they were going for a specific style. That, I'll I mean, at least say, I, I'm, I mean, without knowing the story, um, I, I was watching a show last night where I don't know if it's true, but mm-hmm. uh, I think there was an editorial mandate of how this book needed to be presented yeah. to draw readership. Got it. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, and then uh, just to, let, let's kind of round out just the quick credits. We have yep. Matt Hollingsworth on colors, a, a longtime colorist. Still working yep, today. Still working. Um, Ken Bruzenek, uh on letters. I, I'll forgive me. I don't know the man. So no, I mean, he's a, he's a longtime letterer. Okay. Done a lot of stuff. Not... You know, yeah. There's very few letters that kind of transcend a name that you know. There's really very few Tom Orzakowski's out there, or Richard Starkings, or Richard Starkings, right. or uh, yeah. I mean, it's just you know, you, there's uh, we've named all the letters yep. we know, but but they have <laughs> the kids. If you can get a gig as a letterer, get a gig as a letterer. No, no, it's I a mean, great, you know, it's, it's a steady job. It's it's real work. It's real work. Yep. Um, the editor of the book. Yes, Archie Goodwin. Yeah, the yep. master. Yep, one of the long, another long, I mean, like like Dennis O'Neill, like a guy yeah. that's been around forever, but I think Archie Goodwin's been around longer than, I well, think. Well, he passed away several years right, ago. Right, right, right. But, I mean, been around in the industry. Oh, yeah, right? no, was, Archie yeah. Goodwin was an editor when, when Denny O'Neill was, uh, was uh, uh, kind of hitting his stride. He started, Archie Goodwin is a hell of a writer in his own right. Sure. Um, but... You know, he he found his calling, you could say, as an editor. Yep. So this book did get published in June of 1994. It was, like, as I mentioned, the first crossover uh, between Marvel and DC in something like 15 years. Yeah, it was their birthday present to me. Yep. (laughs) They hated me. Yep, they must have. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so uh, let's go ahead and uh, uh, we we did reach out for feedback um, from the community, see if we had anyone uh, who had any comments on... This issue, um, just a couple quick things. We had Andrew on Facebook. Uh, he mentioned the cover. He said that is up there for the most '90s image. Oh God! Um, if you've seen the cover, if you haven't, or you need to look at it because he's not wrong. No, everything, <laughs> everything that was quote unquote, I'm put doing finger quotes. Great about right. '90s comics was on the cover yeah. of this book. Yeah, the thing is, I mean, this is '94, <laughs> so this is like, you know. The thing that made this style great was great in 91, 92. Yeah. And, and by 94, it's starting to be like, okay. Let, let's be honest, and I'm not casting judgment on you, dear listener, but if you had a mullet and were collecting <laughs> comics at this time, you would have dug the crap yeah. out of this comic yeah. book. I mean, I mean, to be fair, you know, uh, uh, we'll get into this a little bit more here shortly, but I mean, this was also, this is Azrael Batman, right? So this is yes. Batman with his armor. You have Punisher shooting guns and you have Batman and bat armor just jumping around. And he's got and like finger claws. Right, right. Yeah, no, it, it was just, he was like, if you ever saw the old film Nosferatu, it's like right. he had to manipulate things like a puppeteer. It yep. was just, oh God, no, I he's hated kind of, it. Uh, he's kind of got a, 
there's got to be like a certain amount of like Edward Scissorhands aspect right? of trying to manipulate life. Like, like it's people <laughs> were like, you know, even like Batman's allies were like, dude, don't touch me. Yeah, yeah. Bro, get off of me. Um, uh, so another <laughs> comment we had over on Instagram, we had um, the Instagram user Punisher HQ who said, um, not better than the Deadly Knights, which is um, just to give you a little information, if you're unaware, Deadly Knights is the second Batman uh, Punisher crossover. Yep. It's the one that was published by Marvel. This is the one, the, this first one is the one punished, published by DC. And you always know who the publisher is by right. whose character is listed first yes. in the and title. And so this one is Batman Punisher. The other one is Punisher Batman Deadly Knights. Written um, by Chuck Dixon, art by John Romita yep. Jr. Yep, we'll get to that one soon. Oh. Um, so he says here, yes, it's not better than Deadly Nights, but very entertaining reading. It was a great touch how Frank Castle cheated on Batman Azrael and uh, take the upper hand to escape him. Back in the day when Azrael Batman, um, he beat up everyone unless Bruce Wayne. Yeah, who was in a wheelchair after right. Bane broke his back. I yep. mean... It's also funny that that the fashion choice for Bruce Wayne was purple smoking jacket and white ascot most of the time. <laughs> Very Hugh Hefner. Right. Um, um, okay, so we talked a little... I hate Osriel Batman. <laughs> sorry. Yes. sorry. Um, so, Osriel Batman. So... Um, let's just take a minute here. Can you tell the user, tell the users, the listeners about, <laughs> are who, we being used yeah, right now? About if they don't know about when Azrael was Batman, um, kind of what happened there. So there was, um, a one shot comic and, uh, I think Denny O'Neill wrote it. Maybe you can look this up. Will. um, it was called, uh, Batman sort of Azrael. It mm-hmm. was drawn by jo- Joe Quesada. Yep. And I actually liked that it one was, a lot. It, and it was Denny O'Neill. It was yeah. Denny O'Neill. Okay. Yeah, because uh, it is, uh, Denny is um, the co-creator of Azrael with yes. Quesada. And I'll tell you what, um, there was something about Joe Quesada's style that I absolutely loved. I was a big fan of his on X-Force when he was doing that. Uh, Peter David was writing the book. Um, he really got small character moments really well. And then he could do these big explosive action sequences. And they wanted to punch up the Batman um, allies gallery a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, there's Nightwing and the Chuck Dixon's Robin book and all kinds of other, you know, Batman-centric titles going on at the time. And they just wanted another player. I don't know if the end game was to have him inherit the mantle of the bat at that no, point. No, I believe, in fact, I, I remember reading that, I believe that the plan was he was he was actually created just to be a villain. Yeah. And then and they, they slowly had to change him into because an of ally. The, because of the, the whole uh, Nightfall crossover, which took, like, 19 years it felt like reading right um but they created this character jean-paul valley mm-hmm. who was um a brainwashed member of the order of saint dumas mm-hmm. you don't don't pronounce it the other way kids you'll get in <laughs> trouble with your grandmother um but it was the order of saint dumas and i'll be honest i was reading a lot of david morell books at the time and i thought Wow, you know, ancient order right. of Knights Templar kind of dudes, right. religious assassins, religious assassins. Right. No, that was that was very you know that was very chic to kind of the you know young to to believe that there's like these. I mean, you know, historically there were some of these groups, right? But, yeah, but there was also Secret a societies. lot of there was a lot of belief that these things like were bigger, more like the Illuminati, right? right? That exactly. these are these secret things that you know some. 
you know that there's a secret power structures going on and behind and that, that that manipulates world events well right. you know and and denny o'neill played that up in this book and said that the order of saint dumas which wasn't one of the um uh which wasn't even a a a, a a wide-reaching conspiracy was still one that that spawned these incredibly talented assassins, mm-hmm. and they would take their targets out with flaming swords, like the Archangel Michael. And it was just—I just thought it was a neat book. And and at the end of the book, they they positioned him to be a villain, but um, I could say and, and forgive the pun, sort of a long burn, long burning kind of road to villainy mm-hmm. as somebody who, as Azrael could have been fighting against his programming and fighting against his programming while still working alongside Batman and company um, and then eventually turn against it, um, you know, eventually succumbing to his programming. I could see that arc. I could see Denny O'Neill working towards that conclusion mm-hmm. when Azrael was introduced. Unfortunately, sales on the Batman books, yep. despite... Again, Look, I am a fan of Jim Aparo. I'm a fan of of the late, or, I mean, the late Jim Aparo, the late Norm Bray Fogel. Um, there were great artists that were working on those books, but they weren't selling a million right. issues. Well, and that was again, you know, Image Comics broke Batman's back. Yeah, and, they really did. And that's what that was. That this is, that is the event that led to us having Azrael as Batman. Right, and it was the it was the first book. And before we went uh, to recording this. I was telling Will that that this is the book that kind of broke me on event books. Yeah, um, yeah, I'd read them, but I read them begrudgingly. And sometimes, you know, thank God I had a, 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 a an awesome comic shop proprietor who liked me enough not to bitch at me for uh, <laughs> you know not buying <laughs> what I was reading all the time. But but you know, he I bought enough where I I got those reading privileges. Sure. And uh, unfortunately, Nightfall I started buying in the beginning. I didn't buy the rest of it. I read it. Um, and it's available in trade paperback. They've kept it in print. Yep. It's in three volumes. Um, and, no, I mean, it's, and still, there's, there's, it's still a big event of the 90s, it, right? It is. And you, it is really the event that made Bane Bane. It is. Right. And, and, and they really did a great job at building Bane up to be this guy who is capable of breaking right. the bat. And it was just... It was the aftermath and Azrael taking yep. over for a temporarily paralyzed Bruce Wayne that I had issues with no. that and and I think that was intentional but it didn't play out well for me personally no. and that's it you know and and it was it was definitely a it was a different batman and it was a statement on 90s superhero culture too yep. and I think that that's where Denny O'Neill really succeeded I I'd be not super interested in reading it but if I was given you know a homework assignment if I was taking a class on comics I wouldn't hate rereading Nightfall in mm-hmm. its entirety to see if that was the the meta text of what right. Denny was going for. Um, so, and then of course our other uh, our other main character we have Punisher. Um, so this is Punisher, nineteen ninety four. <sighs> Punisher, yeah, Punisher. Of course, is um, one of those characters <laughs> that uh, <laughs> you know. I'm sorry, Will. <laughs> you blew me with that. One. <laughs> oh my uh, god, that is the best. He's a, so <sighs> he's he's one of those characters. I always say he's very divisive. You either love you you like Punisher stories or you don't like Punisher stories. I think it just um, depends on the Punisher story, to be honest. You know, and see, I've never been a fan. Okay. I mean, to uh, outside of outside of him as the original Spider-Man villain that he was. Right. Right. I mean, you know. Punisher, it's not to say that there's not good Punisher stories, right. but 
but Punisher as a character doesn't interest me. See, I remember really that, much that, at all. that Michael Golden comic, uh, The Nam. Do mm-hmm. you remember yeah. that? Yeah. And they did, I think it was four issues of Punisher, The Nam. Yeah. Because back then he was a Vietnam veteran. Right. And, um, you know, so I've liked particular Punisher stories. Um, that and the grand arc of Garth Ennis. Sure. Just, I mean, which is just absolute drunken Irish madness that Garth Ennis brought to that book. Um, and which was really a satire of American vigilante culture, sure. as, as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, and there have been other good, um, Nathan, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Nathan Edmondson, I think is his name. The guy who wrote the activity for image. Um, I, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I'm blowing the name. I'm, I'm certain I'm, I'm, I'm getting that wrong. Anyway, there was a, um, him and Mitch Gerads, the guy who did the art on, uh, Mr. Miracle, uh-huh. um, those two worked on this uh, uh, military thriller book at Image called The Activity, which went for, I want to say, 16 to 18 issues. Yep. It looks like it has a couple of trades, a couple of yep. collections. Great comic book Nathan series. Edmondson. Nathan Edmondson. Okay. Is. Hey, I got it right. Yep. And uh, But he they brought that same team, went over to Marvel to do The Punisher. I thought bringing a military thriller aspect and relocating The Punisher to Los Angeles uh, mm-hmm. To get involved in the coyote culture and the the narco terrorists from from south of the border, and playing up those sort of fears, I think they did a really great job on that book. Um, but there, to me, you know, the Punisher worked best as a foil for heroes, mm-hmm. for superheroes, helping helping to define what made heroes heroes. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so he was great in Daredevil. I yeah. mean, in Frank Miller's time. And that's the thing is, like, you know, I, I think with, like I said, there's good Punisher stories, but I often feel like the story can exist by itself. Yeah. Um, and just have some any random. It could be any character as right. the Punisher, almost right, or not 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 necessarily a comic book character, but it could almost be any kind of real life character, right? And it's fine. And the, there wasn't much that I felt like defined the Punisher as a Marvel character, to right? Me. You know what I yeah, mean? I know exactly um, what you mean because he fell very much. Uh, into the slot of grizzled urban vigilante, which yep. we had seen in a lot yep. of movies like, you know, Dirty Harry right. or the Death Wish films. Or even to like Rambo. Or, right? or Rambo you know? even for right. that, because that's where the bigger guns came from. And, <laughs> uh, you know, and he was only into the really big guns at the towards the end of right. his run. And, you know, and I, I think I kind of want to start going into this book a little bit, because to me that mm-hmm. was one of the big problems of it is that I... I don't know if Denny had an appreciation for where the character came from, yep. uh, what the roots of the character was from 70s revenge cinema. Um, you know, his language was stilted. It was generic. I, uh, yeah. t- I mean, it, it was just, it was... So just one last uh, thing before we I'm dive sorry. into... Yeah, go ahead. Before we dive into the plot. Um, Jigsaw. So that's the other kind of character in this book that we see. We see Jigsaw, who is a recurring Punisher villain. Yeah. He's basically... And and correct me again. I haven't read a whole, as, as much Punisher. Sure, he's basically just a just a mafia thug guy. He is right. I yeah, mean, I think Dominic Cooper played him in Lexi Alexander's Punisher Warzone, mm-hmm. um, which had some redeeming qualities as a Punisher film. It not many though. I mean, <laughs> only if you're into wholesale slaughter of mooks, but. Um, Jigsaw was a guy that I think was co-created. It was between Chuck Dixon, I want to believe. No, it, uh, I have down at um, or was Len it Wine Len and Wine. Ross Andrew. Ross Andrew. Yeah, because he actually came out of a Spider-Man comic. Oh, originally. that's right. I was thinking of the Punisher miniseries yeah. 
the four-issue miniseries in the early 80s that Mike Zeck yep, No, it looks like Amazing Spider-Man number 162. Nope, fair call. Um, which also brings just, just a quick note that this book is dedicated to Ross Andrew. Ross Andrew had just passed away. Yep. Um, a long-time uh, you know, comic book staple did a number of... Helped co-create The Punisher. And now I know why they dedicated the book to Ross yep. Andrew. So, you know, and, and he's one of the... Look him up on the internet, people. He, he is <laughs> one of the, the greats of the industry. Um, Spider-Man wouldn't be Spider-Man nope. today without him. Nope. Um, okay, um. so that gives me a little bit more context. But, you know, just I remember Jigsaw factoring in heavily uh, on that that Punisher comic, which was mo- mostly took place in prison. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, when Punisher was, was sent to jail and, and Jigsaw was sort of the gang leader of that, that was my first introduction to him. Uh, in this uh, book, he is... I don't know what happened to Jigsaw, but he had to wear a neck brace. <laughs> I mean, maybe he was accidentally beheaded and somebody able, was able to stick his head back yep. on or something. There was cartoon physics involved. Yeah, yeah. There was, uh, there was it, comic bookiness. It, it was comic, yep. because comic books. Yep. And um, yeah, he was pretty much everything you expect a homicidal maniac mobster to be. Let's dive into the plot a little bit. So, Ugh. so okay. There was a plot? Yeah. Uh, well, there <laughs> was a plot. I mean... Sort of. That doesn't mean it was a good thing, no. but, you know... But to, to break it down, let me give you... I, you can sum up the entire book in just a couple of quick sentences. Um, the main plot of this story is that Jigsaw... comes up with a plan or appears to come up with a plan. Say here, guys, I got a plan. Yeah, yeah. His plan. Now, 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 of course, an overcomplicated mafioso comic book plan. So his plan is to to steal an experimental rocket fuel... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to, 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 so, to, so, okay. Okay, I'm, I'm trying to listen. I am. No, okay. don't, don't pay any attention okay, to me. So I'll just be over to, here in the corner. He's going to steal an experimental rocket fuel that he will then... Because regular rocket fuel could not do <laughs> right. the trick, kids. To, to then, and, and a huge amount of it, <laughs> to dump into the entire reservoir water supply of Gotham City, <laughs> which will then... When it gets put into the pipes, it ignites and sets on fire, <laughs> destroying their water system so that his company that he that he's contracted with can get the contract <laughs> can get the contract to fix it. Oh. That's his entire oh, plot. Oh god, it's so bad. <laughs> so his plot oh. is to his it's plot the name is, Flake of Fire. Right. So his plot oh. is to set the water oh. system on fire so that he can make money. Oh. That's it. That that's the entire <laughs> because as Gene Hackman in 1978 said as playing Lex Luthor, real estate. That's right, exactly. <laughs> he's using his powers of real estate. So this is the so this is the plot. Oh now, God. Jigsaw, of course, as, <laughs> as we talked about, is kind of a core he's he's a core villain of Punisher. So in so but the problem is, is he was like a Doctor Who villain from the neck up wearing right, a business suit. Right, right. And he was just no, a per- cartoon. Yeah. And like his... He stands it, out in a crowd. And his, his Gotham City co... <laughs> like his, his dude... Yeah. It was some guy that looks, I swear to God, looked like young Commissioner Gordon. Yep. He had a mustache, yep. reddish mustache and hair. Well, his, it was a beard. It was a full and beard. A full beard. Yeah. 
and his name was Rimmer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, yeah. It was it was Jigsaw and Rimmer. Yeah. Um, oh, so that's that's the plot. So so with Rimmer is just uh, just real quick. <laughs> he is a Gotham City mobster. Uh-huh. They couldn't have given him the Joker in the beginning. They couldn't have given nope. him the Riddler. Nope. Or Black Mask. Nope. Or uh, Killer Croc. Or Hugo Strange. Nope. Or whomever. They can't. They had to come up with the new guy of Mister Rimmer. Rimmer. Yeah. Rimmer. All right. <laughs> yeah. Rimmer. So that's 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 our setting here. So this oh. is so this is the Jigsaw decides oh. to do this in Gotham. Um, which is how we get Batman involved, right? For some reason, because he has a Bat computer. For reasons. For reasons. Yeah. Um, and this book opens up. I mean, it opens up immediately oh. with um, Azrael Batman uh, having visions of hell. Right. Yes. Um, very. I mean, the, the the opening splash page is an <laughs> obvious Spawn ripoff, like those oh early Spawn com- comics. Yes. With, with full two page yes. spread. Right. With like the it was like the giant cavern that the Malbolgian yep, would be yep. sitting on exactly. one side of, but instead of the Malbolgian, it was the just only thing a, that's missing is is the 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 cage with the hands coming right. through, with the superhero hands. Yeah, which super. would have been fantastic. Yeah, I yeah, would have. And, and for some reason, Cerebus standing there giving him commentary. I, you know, you I, know? I, one could have only <laughs> hoped for something. Like right. That, but instead, you get a, a stark image of a knight temp. What looks appears to be a knight templar, mm-hmm. a guy in armor mm-hmm. with a, a red cross on a white tabard and holding a flaming sword. Yep. And oh, and uh, which in and of itself is not bad, but no. in the context of where the knight templar was sitting, yeah, it was like he's in the the. The, the soldier for God is in charge of hell. I, I yeah, I don't. Even, I don't really understand. What the um, hell is the imagery trying to I'm suggest? I'm not too sure. Um, but it turns out this is kind of a a a, a spiritual vision of Azrael. But they never having. refer back to it later no. in the book. No, it's just like, oh, here's an image of hell for you all yep. to take a, yep. a fancy. Glance and I mean, at. then as you start flipping through the first couple pages, I mean, it is obvious as we talked a little bit about the visual style oh god this is obviously tr- they're trying to do an image thing they're oh, yeah. trying to do a, a mcfarlane it, thing and, uh, and again i kind of said it before but barry kitson is a clean line illustrator but teaming mm-hmm. him with, i don't know if it was the team up with james pasco um it wasn't the coloring look no. on this book that i thought was the problem but there was something to it i mean you you, you would sit there if you knew barry kitson's work Talking Legion of Superheroes, talking mm-hmm. what Irredeemable, I think. Uh, you know, just talking anything that he's worked on before. You open up this book and you'd be like, "This is this is Barry Kitson, right?" What? Yep. Um, no, it's like, yeah, no, it's obviously they're, they're trying to do an image comic. For oh us. yeah, like, it, it, it's, it's just horrid. Yeah. Um, I guess but, hell is supposed to be horrid, <laughs> but I don't think that they really. Anyway, I'm gonna. So they do this couple of pages of Azrael getting introduced, and then a couple pages of Punisher beating up just some. Don't, don't forget, just real quick. Yeah, Azrael knew that something was up because someone stole experimental rocket oh, fuel. Right, right. Thanks to the internet connected bat computer in 1994. Yep. No, well, I mean, if anyone had the internet, you know, you I know think he they did. should have called it the Batternet or yeah. something. You know, <laughs> well, if it was Batman 66, it would have been called the, the bat, bat Network or bat something, net. right? Yeah. yeah. 
Um, oh my God. <laughs> but then, uh, it's a good then, thing I stole Harpanet. Yeah. <laughs> I've renamed it Batnet. Batnet. Um, and so we then we flip to, uh, we, we get an introduction of Patterson, of, excuse me, Patterson, of Punisher. <laughs> Punisher um, kind of just beating up some, you know, random barfly mooks to try to get some information as he does. Yeah, um, yeah. He smashes a bottle and starts cutting fools. Yep. And figures out pretty much that he has that jigsaws behind some kind of plan and he's got to go to Gotham and find Jigsaw. Yeah, because I know Jigsaw's behind it. So this leads us to um, basically Punisher in Gotham. Um, he he gets, he gets, he, so there's a plan from Jigsaw to get him lured into an old church and then they set the church on fire, hoping that they'll kill the Punisher in the process. Um, <laughs> Which, of course, leads to Batman getting involved and him and Punishers. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, 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 I'm trying to be professional. Yep, here. yep. No, so he saves the Punisher through this, uh, out of this church. Um, because we know Batman as, or as bats, as yep. they like to call him, he was all into saving people. Right. Especially crazy murderers like the Punisher. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this leads to them kind of teaming up for a minute. They go searching for information. They beat up mooks together. Um, and then, and then it's just, they find Jigsaw yeah, and they foil the plan. Right. Yeah. That's pretty much it. You would think the book would be over at this point. Yep. You'd think, but so. no, but no, no, we get a, we get a twist at the end. Are no, it's a one? twist that made me read another 30 page. This <laughs> book, I'm not kidding with the covers is 51 pages yep. long. Yep. Okay. That is 49 pages too long for this story. <laughs> no, no. This, I am this, not kidding. This story is at best a 24-pager, like at best. Honest to God, um, it was like two comic books slapped together. Yeah. Um, so the twist is they capture Jigsaw. They foil his plan. Uh-huh. For some reason, they tie him up and leave him. And Because it's the right thing to do. Right. Right, yeah, they leave him for the cops. Okay, yeah, because that's something that Azrael and Punisher are both known to do. Oh. <laughs> and well, it was more as uh, I think it, it, it it's more Azrael trying to be Batman. Yeah, even though okay. he looks like Edward. S- I'm looking at a page of him holding the wheel of the Batmobile like he's driving away. Right, and he's still inner dialoguing himself or whatever. He's talking to himself just mm-hmm. out loud. And he is gripping the wheel like Nosferatu. He right. is holding the wheel like a vampire. Right. Yeah, no, it can't be comfortable. Oh, God. Um, it's terrible. So they foil the plan. They tie up Jigsaw. And then for some reason, yep. the Joker appears. Yeah, you're 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 farther ahead. Well, of the comic I, than you know I the am. rest of it. I, no, I, you're it, doing the right thing. You're saving me the pain. Yeah, it, I mean, really, they just foil the plan. Like right. that's basically it, right? right. There, there's like 20 pages of them foiling the plan. Right, right. That wasn't even very good to begin it with. It was BS. Um, so the Joker appears and lets Jigsaw loose. He appears 11 pages from the end of the comic, I yeah. think. And oh Lord, where did the Joker come from? I don't know. He, he was not there even was no, it was, that. It, it was like, he's just, it, it's like, oh, we need the Joker. Right. Uh, <laughs> well, we're going to get Joker in here because that's profitable. 
Uh, well, because he has to, and it is the most muscular Joker. I'm looking at him right now. Mm-hmm. He uh, beat up the kingpin. He mugged the kingpin for his walking stick, <laughs> and uh, he's got uh, comedy and drama cufflinks. Uh-huh. And uh, boy, Barry Kitson put in a lot of work to make yep. this guy look like, honest to God, this is Barry Kitson. I, this has to be a satire book because. He looks like one of the young blood villains in this. I okay. mean, he is all, right, yeah, all yeah. up top and nothing down yep. at the bottom, and it's just terrible. No, it's a little weird. It 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 looks like they were trying to take that um like they like they took the killing joke joker, right? The the one that was based on kind of a David Bowie, but then made him buff. Yeah. Well, I, you know what? Now I'm looking at I think it's the 90 shoulder pads. Too. Yeah, I mean, he's they're, really they're in huge shoulder pads. He's like the he's like um uh one of the backup musicians for David Bowie's Modern Romance yeah, tour. Yeah, 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 exactly. Kids exactly. uh look up look it up. It's on the internet. Um <laughs> and I mean, he's walking around and it's like at, at this point Kitson is drawing I'm not kidding. Like Jigsaw has has gone from a mobster slash Doctor Who villain mm-hmm. to just full on looking like Quasimodo. You know, you know what? I think I think I think Jigsaw. I think you can call him. You know what he, he reminds me of more what? than that is he's a Dick Tracy villain. He is a yes. Dick Tracy villain. Yeah, he's a Dick Tracy. Villain. Darn you, Dick Tracy! You right. did this to me, Jigsaw. You. Yep. Yeah, you know. No, just, you, know you, you remember the Dick Tracy villains? They they all had a name that described what they oh, yeah. were or what they looked like. Flatface, right. you darn you, hammerhead, and, and or Dick whatever Tracy. The, yeah. Oh, flat flat top, flat, flat top. top right? Yeah, yeah. And it was always. Did you know that Al Pacino? Okay, just quick aside. <laughs> the Dick Tracy movie. Okay, it's sure. it's a war atrocity of a comic book movie. I mean, it was like. It was like one part Batman Returns meets Who Framed right. Roger Rabbit. I'm mm-hmm. not kidding. It's crazy. It's also kind of cool to watch. No, it, it, it's, it's got a style. It's it got it has a certain style, style to yeah. it because Warren Beatty, uh, is, this is a known quote of his, he likes to be lit, mm-hmm. meaning he appreciates good lighting. And they have it throughout this movie. Yeah. But it's not, it's it's good it's in a, it's a bad movie that's good in a way. Yeah. And it was so bad that it was good that Al Pacino got an Oscar nomination for playing the mobster villain of that. Did yep. you know that? That's true. Yeah, it is true. And look, we go through two pages of of the, the Joker just showing up for yep. no good reason, and then Azrael and ba- uh, Punisher start fighting. Right. Azrael... So, and, and yeah, mind you, just, this, is, this is... I'm losing track as so, to who Azrael is. So Punisher... Or excuse me. Now I'm losing track. Yeah. So Joker shows up. Right. He lets the guy loose, apparently... But and not before it. torturing him, sort of like yeah. like uh, like Reservoir, the ending of, of Reservoir Dogs stuff yeah, in the really middle with you. Right. Like he's threatening him with a surgical scalpel. Right. It's really weird. Yeah, no, and, <sighs> and, and that's it. And that's that's, that's the it for two pages. Yeah, and that's what the Joker does. So no, no exit wh- for either of those he? characters no. out of the no, play. No, that's the last you see of them. No, th- that's it. It's yeah. just like you um, know, I think the last words that Jigsaw said is "Cut me!" Right. So essentially, Whatever. just as Jim said, we just just go into the last few pages of Punisher slash Batman beat 'em ups. Right, they're just beating each other up. The traditional superhero beat 'em up. Right, um, where uh, you know Punisher does stupid things like tries to shoot Batman. That really well, doesn't work. You know, come on, he's wearing a suit of armor. Tony Stark would yep. like to take a look at it this time. Um, if you go to page uh, forty-seven, okay. there's nothing funnier to me than there's like a big, there's a big like close up of a gun, and 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 you have this kind of Punisher. Pick uh, uh, image, um, like third page splash, you know, yeah. and 
Boy, does he look like Bruce Campbell. Oh, God. I mean, <laughs> he has the... I mean, that is a heroic-looking jaw. Yeah. And he's got, like, a Jim Lee, like, mouth construction and Rob right. Liefeld, like, lines on his forehead. Yeah, it's a really weird and muddled uh, um, uh, Punisher. Um, but essentially, Punisher gets away by... Uh, letting loose a gas grenade that at, he pickpocketed off of Asbats. Right. Um, and then while the gas is going off, Punisher runs away. Yep. Yep. He cheated. Game over. Yep. That's it. And Both then, done. and then Asbats, you know, after he walks away, uh, Asbats is, is praying to St. Dumas. I failed, but oh, I tried. Yeah. I did my, yeah. it's like whiny. Right. It I reminds mean, me of that whiny era of Silver Surfer. You yeah, remember where, oh, like, oh, yeah. You know, the Silver oh, Surfer crying about everything. And oh, I'm like, come on. Oh, I get God. it. I get you have guilt, Silver Surfer. I you know get what? It. it was a, I, look, you, you, there was a certain aesthetic they were going for. You're talking about the original uh, Stanley yeah. John Buscema yeah, yeah. Silver Surfer. The artwork was beautiful, but it was BS. It, it, the, it was... Right. Oh, God. That's kind of what it, that, that scene reminded me of here with it, the Asbat. Like, <laughs> oh, forgive me. Is that yeah. too much to ask? I guess it is. And they made... Oh, I don't know if this is intentional, but look down. There's like a, a corner box, mm-hmm. bottom left-hand corner of... You know, right after he says, forgive me, and he goes, is, is, it, is that too much to ask? Mm-hmm. Doesn't his face look like all of a sudden, like some voodoo priest put a shrunken head spell on? I had thought that maybe he was a Cylon. What is, <laughs> honest to God, like, what is this red thing that's on his face? I don't all? know. It's I'm not- just, there's a red thing. It looks like a Tylenol slowly floating to the ground or something. What the? I don't know what that is. In I'm, fact, though, here's the thing. Go back. Um, go back in previous. It's there. It, it is. Yeah. A, that's always. What is that? But it's nonsense. I, I don't, don't know what it is. It must be an infrared sensor yeah. for his remote control to operate with. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> oh, my God. It's just. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what's going on here. The 90s but. were a tough time. And I remember reading books, Will. Where, you know, today, looking back on it, that even I can't believe that I actually sought out. Like, I sought out. Or you enjoyed. You were like, oh, man, that was great. I enjoyed every issue. I loved it. I loved. loved. And then you reread it 20 years later, and you're like, oh, God. Yeah, like, I couldn't wait for Brigade to come out. (laughs) (laughs) Okay? (laughs) Brigade. Yeah. And if anybody doesn't know anything, that is in the the Rob Liefeld Mm -hmm. Young Bloodiverse. Mm -hmm. And uh, Brigade was like Young Blood, but called Brigade. And um, it was terrible. And then Barry Kitson, I'm looking at that last splash page, Mm -hmm. and... God, they must have demanded that he try to draw a Todd McFarlane yep. cape on yep. this guy. Nope, it's a, it's a clear spawn trope. Oh, you know, and the dialogue in these boxes, you know, I, I'm going to quote from this comic now. Nor must the damned always shriek and moan. Sometimes they suffer in silence. That's, that's, that's effing deep, man. I can't that's, summon um, a belch to give my um, true opinion I'm, of this yeah, with right now. I'm... Uh, um, I'm moved, man. I'm, I'm totally... Aren't you moved? Yeah. I'm, you know, I, obviously, ooh. you know, I, I quoted out of context, <laughs> we should go back and, and do a traumatic reading of the entire issue. Oh, so yeah, that our, I don't think we don't... No. You, you, no, you don't think we should? No. I want our audience to feel the same pain no, I but, felt. Uh, you know, I, 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 I'll take the hit, man. <laughs> I, I don't think they need to feel this one. Um, yeah, so this is... So 
This is, oh. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious. This is not the best crossover. It's nonsense. Um. <laughs> the book is nonsense. I mean, it's like they, they put a bunch of plot cards in a box and just jumbled. They shook the box, chuka, yep. chuka, 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 poured it out on a table, straightened them out, and that was the story they got. Yeah, I mean, I think that the, the so where this suffers, oh. um, <laughs> I mean, the, the story is comic booky ridiculous, as we already made fun of. But, no, I, um, I, 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 I'm sorry. I'm going to disagree with you because this is the same guy. I, I mentioned it at the top of the show. This is the mm-hmm. same guy who wrote a philosophical masterpiece in the question. Sure. Okay. This was done for a paycheck. Yep. This yep. was done so Barry Kitson could get his foot in the door with, with American comic book companies. This book was done as, as a desperate maneuver between two comic book publishing yep. houses that were both desperate to stay afloat in a diminishing market. Yep. This, there, no, comic book craziness, comic book silliness... No, this this was a comic book by committee. Well, no, no. What I you meant know, though, what I meant was that the the the, the plot device. Oh, okay. Your plot okay, device. Okay. Fair. Okay. So the whole MacGuffin of the yeah. first of all, experimental rocket fuel. When I said regular rocket yeah. fuel, just wouldn't cut the no. mustard. Yeah. Right. Um, no, but I think so. I'm trying to think of like things that they could have done to make this better. Right. You um, are a kinder person than I am. I mean, I mean, honestly. I mean, I honestly think that if this was like a 22 issue, a 22 page story, it probably wouldn't been or as bad. Or maybe been two issues. Maybe two. I don't know. Maybe two issues. Or I, 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 I feel like that there's just, there's so much fluff yeah. that is not, there's, you know, the beat em ups between whether it was Punisher and Batman or against them beating up Jigsaw. Um, they were or Rimmer, yeah, or Rimmer. Like, and then why was the Joker there? Like, literally, you could have tied up Jigsaw, yeah. left him for the cops, and that was the end of it. So there was like a, two pages of Joker that added absolutely nothing to the story, absolutely zero. I, I want to say, and I, I would love to talk because Denny O'Neill is still alive and kicking. God bless, That's right? He is teaching classes on writing on the East Coast. And I, w- I would love to interview Denny O'Neill and, and first of all, find out what got him to take the assignment, number one, <laughs> for a guy who's as accomplished as his was. And I really want to know how much by committee this book was. Yeah. Because they didn't... You would think in, in most superhero comics, there's, there's this overused tropes of, trope of when superheroes meet each other, they have to fight. Not in this case. Right. Punisher and Batman are like, what? We're both going after the same people? Let's get along. And then they fight at the end of the yeah. book. Was that a, you know, I want to know the choices about, mm-hmm. you know, ending on a fight and then the central character to the story you're publishing just moaning about how much he has failed <laughs> at the end of it being beneficial yep. to a, the, the, the publishing no. company, which was no. DC Comics right. in this you're, case. No, no, you're, I mean, you're absolutely correct. Like, none of that makes any sense. Um, the, the one thing that I, I do want to know about this comic that, that's kind of interesting to me is um, that while, uh, like all these crossovers, they take place in, uh, at least on the Marvel side, in that Marvel crossover universe. Um, on DC side, I forget what their Earth number or whatever yeah they, they call I, it. I don't um, i don't well you know i'd like to think that this took place pre-crisis on infinite Earth, so mm-hmm. all of this would have been wiped out but it was definitely right. post-crisis um so uh while this is not considered canonical right yes. none of these crossovers really are um other than in the sense of being in a different universe yeah um 
Azrael in a later issue of Batman does mention Jigsaw and fighting Jigsaw. Really? Yes, it's uh, issue number 509. Um, but apparently they, they chalk it up to um, the fact that those later Batman Azrael, he started kind of losing his mind. Oh, okay. And so they kind of, I think that's the headcanon is that, oh, he just, He's making up things. He right? must. He must have been hallucinating or right. something. That that would make sense. Or I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. No. But that's about. I mean, I don't know. That that's about all I have to say about this issue. I think it's pretty obvious. This is this is one that if it, it it's an interesting artifact if you find it in a dollar bin. Um, yeah, but. Do not pay. I I would not recommend paying more than a dollar for this book. Honest to God, <laughs> this this book. It, you know what? I think it if for for those of you who are lucky enough to take courses on comic books at university, mm-hmm. this would be a great book to see just how the big two were impacted. Yep. By image comics. Yeah, no, this is this is an artifact of of it, of the market at the time. I oh. mean, there's nothing really interesting artistically there's nothing really inter- there's not a lot of merit in this other than as an artifact right and and look and and again that's why i spent so much time up top you know wanting to riff with with will mm-hmm. on just how great of a writer denny o'neill is you should not judge denny right. o'neill as a writer by this book nope you should not judge you know uh barry kitson or james pasco or matt hollingsworth or the letterer, <laughs> I <already laughs> forgot his name, um, or, or Archie Goodwin. Yep. Um, by by this book, um, you know you shouldn't judge Marvel or DC. Nope. By this book, it's it's just a shame, and right. I, I'm going to get it right. It's Ken Brusenak yep. who's the letterer. I'm, you know, it, it's just this is you know you know what this book is. It's a low down dirty shame. Mm-hmm. It's yep. a low Fair. down dirty Fair. shame because this book. As it is, I wouldn't publish it. Yeah. I, I just wouldn't. Will? Nope. Would you? Nope. 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 No matter how desperate. Your comp book company could go bankrupt next month. Nope. 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 Freelancer, right. here I come. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's just, it, this. oh boy. Um, well. Yeah, I think. Yeah, uh, let's, let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> I, let's I, talk I, a little bit. Um, uh, yeah, so uh, it's pretty clear what we think about this book. Why don't you tell us what you think about this book? Have you read this? I mean, there was there was some mixed feedback online. Um, if you want to tell us, uh, head over to Twitter or Facebook or anything. Use that hashtag Epic Crossover, um, and we're we're doing a search on that on Twitter and, and let us know what you think about. And, this. and we'll actually bring this up on a future episode if you do leave us feedback. Because here's mm-hmm. one thing about comics that that I want to stress is that this could be your favorite comic book. Yep, and it's okay. My opinion is just that. It's my opinion. Will's opinion is Will's opinion. Yep. Comics are for everyone. And if you're riffing on that 90s vibe and you love books like this. No, I want to know why. I want to. I, 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 I seriously totally, reach out to us yep. and say, this is why I love Sell this me. book. Sell me. You know, um, just like Punisher HQ. You know, mm-hmm. he had a kind thought or two for this book, yep. even though it wasn't his favorite. You know, I, I want comics to be inclusive of, for, for everybody because there is so much good stuff out there. Um, whether it's Marvel, DC, Image, indie, other indie books or whatever, 
just read comics, mm-hmm. you know, be involved in it, you know, participate, you know, get out there on Twitter, talk to the, talk to the, the creators, talk to the publishing companies, tag them and stuff. And definitely tag us with the hashtag Epic Crossover and let us know what you thought about this episode. We yep. would love to talk to you about this. Uh, um, so, Jim, where, yeah. can, where can they find you directly on Twitter? They can find me at Jimmers with three M's because some fool took two M's for, from me <laughs> before I could get to that. And I've been on Twitter since 2009, yo. Um, but, yes, I'm at, at Jimmers with three M's on, um, on Facebook, or excuse me, Twitter. Uh, on the Instas, I'm Jimmers with five M's. Don't get me started on that. And <laughs> you can find me just by searching Jim Mason on Facebook. All right. And then uh, you can find me on Twitter at GoldenBoyPhoto1. Uh, it was a, a kind of a leftover name from uh, when I used to use my Twitter mainly for my photography business. So um, Golden Boy Photo One, uh, you can interact with me there. I'm I, I pretty much use that Twitter account purely for comic stalking. Oh uh, yeah, these days. So um, feel and boy, free to, is there a lot to talk about? <laughs> there's a lot, yeah. um, and and Twitter's one of the good places. I mean, there's a lot of bad on Twitter. There's but it's one of the few places that I feel like the comics conversation is more robust there than almost any. Place That's why else. I say get involved with. Yep. Conversations with the creators working today, and uh, hopefully in a future episode uh, we can uh, talk about you know some books that are by writers who are very active on yep. Twitter, uh, who make wonderful follows. Yep. So, speaking of next episode, so yes. we've talked about Punisher, we've talked about Batman, we've talked about X Men, we've talked about Teen Superman, Titans. Teen Titans. We've covered a lot of the great characters. The Hulk. It's time that we talk about Spider Man. Oh, I thought you were going to say Gen 13. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, I got that's, an idea. That's... How about we talk about <laughs> Spider-Man and Gen yeah. 13? Nope, that's exactly what we're going to do for the next episode. Um, you know, Spider-Man, Spider-Man needs to get some love in here. I mean, Gen 13, maybe not as much, but, you know. I, you know what? I, I'll, just as a quick preview for that book, just here's a little tease. I hadn't realized how much I missed Gen 13. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, fair enough. Fair okay. enough. Yep. All right. So uh, hang on with us uh, next time. In about a month, you'll hear that episode drop uh, here on the feed, on the Epic Marvel feed. Uh, I believe Curtis is dropping our episodes. It looks like the first uh, Monday of every month. Yep. So uh, be sure to follow the feed for that and let us know what you think. And in the meantime, hey, kids, read more comics. <laughs> <laughs>